Hey everybody, welcome back to The Carol Connection. I am your host, Jared Carroll. Here to bring you guys another great episode. I want to talk about my last episode, episode 100, titled Thank You. Again, thank you to everyone that has listened to my podcast, that has shared my podcast, that has tuned in, whether it's just social media clips, the actual podcast on YouTube or Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Always a huge thank you to my guests. You guys are the reason that I have a podcast, so I appreciate everyone that takes time out of their day to come on my platform, talk a little bit about themselves, and kind of get out there. Um, you can check the any of the podcasts that I've ever done out at thecarolconnection.simplecast.com, simple, or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the major listening platforms. So today for episode 101, chasing that next 100 episode, guys, is Mark Furtado. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Good. A lot of pressure on you right now. I know. Oh my God. <laughs> like, it, oh, wow. <laughs> um, Super excited to have you. Uh, just kind of tell everyone uh, who you are and what you're doing currently. Sounds good. Um, my name is Mark. Obviously, you, you did the icebreaker for that. Uh, I'm 22 and I'm the owner of The Artisan here in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Perfect. And we're going to dive into that as we progress with the podcast, like I mentioned a little bit off podcast earlier. Um, how I like to start my podcast is talking about family dynamic, how are you raised, where are you raised, obviously, whatever you're comfortable, because like I say in every episode, guys, this creates the foundation of what we're talking about. So people get a feel where you're coming from. And I think it just, it's a little bit of like a warm up for everybody too. So mm-hmm. whatever you're comfortable with, I'll let you take the floor with that. Oh, okay. Uh, let's start from the beginning. <laughs> like the Bible. No, Let me just... Oh. <laughs> Boom. Uh, chapter one. No, I'm uh, let's start with me being born and raised in New Bedford. Uh, I'm 22 years old, so that should just give you a good picture that I'm young. Uh, let's say, uh, obviously, growing up, I my family's Portuguese, so... I. That should already give you like a kind of like a stereotype. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, obviously, I had a mom and dad growing up. Uh, luckily, at first, but then you know, reality sets in. Once you grow up, stereotypical dad gets out of the picture. Mom, being a single mom, dealing with two kids, then eventually one kid, uh, and then ne- if we go now, currently, I actually live with my mom and I bought a house with her. <laughs> That's just a quick paraphrase of what we're going to talk about but and then now i own a business for two years now <laughs> and then part of the reason too i like to open up with that conversation is because everyone's family dynamic is different mm-hmm. and i want to kind of obviously if you're comfortable with diving into growing up with just kind of like your mom when you're after your kind of like post when your dad steps out of the picture did you find it at all kind of difficult to kind of navigate that obviously growing up and or did your mom really step in and kind of fill the shoes and be kind of and shout out to a lot of the single moms out there that step into that role and be mm-hmm. both parents? I could tell at first she was a little bit overwhelmed because she didn't know how. Well, almost she took I could see in her eyes she took the mama bear approach, but also she was kind of overwhelmed at the same time because she was working two jobs. She had to take care of us, feed us, take us to school left and right, find us child care and all that. Um, but when she did step into the role, 
she knew that she had to make it work regardless and she knew she couldn't rely on people. She had to rely on herself. So luckily at the time, the circumstances was my grandmother lived upstairs. So we, she kind of helped out, but then over, over time, she kind of had to take the reins at all times. And then my sister stepped out of the picture. So essentially it became my mom and I, then obviously she had her boyfriend, well, ex-boyfriend come in and then, and then now, new boyfriend uh but honestly growing up it was not i don't want to say it was difficult but it i feel like maybe this is middle child syndrome but like i didn't really have much issues growing up just because i could be talk freely with my mom because she knew what was going on because essentially it was just her and i so she knew what was going on in school Obviously, I was a good kid, so like I got good grades. <laughs> I liked being. If anything, school was almost like my safe space, regardless if there were some kids that I didn't like. But essentially, it was the the faculty that made me feel like it was home. Um, it, it also gave me an, a creative outlet growing up. So like in elementary school, uh, there was dance clubs, there was uh, art clubs, and all that. So I, obviously, I participated just to make friends. Obviously, but but I knew I wasn't athletic. <laughs> I wasn't physically in shape, but mentally I was. <laughs> so I was, more, I was more like on the academic side of things. Um, so obviously I joined a part of that. It was fun. Um, it definitely gave me a sense of who I was. Like getting, it's almost like the puberty thing. It's like you, you, you get, you, you start to know. Then middle school kicks in. It's like the most awkward stage of life. Like even talking to like talking to, so I work as a secretary, uh, right currently and talking to fifth graders sometimes I'm like, middle school is going to be that awkward stage, but also it's going to be like a wake up call at the same time. Like you start realizing who you are. And, uh, so sixth grade, this is where like, I kind of know where I am, but kind of not like, I'm still feeling myself out, but luckily like the staff really kind of woke me up a little bit and just gave me that sense of realization that. Life is going to set in soon. You're going to go to high school. It ain't peaches and cream. Obviously, like, you got to, like, study hard and pass to graduate, but also find yourself along the way. And um, I will never forget one of the one of the teachers, uh, eighth grade, he handles all the talent shows. And sixth grade me want to help out. Like, I want to be, like, the, the stage setup people and, like, maybe join a couple like uh productions here and there for the talent show but i didn't want to be like in the show and it was fun but just seeing his creative mindset when it comes to art was really cool because he although the budget wasn't really good because a lot of the teachers had to fund it the art and like the the heart was there if that makes sense. Like it was, it was like so cool. If I could go back in time, I would still relive it just for that. And then seventh grade, same thing. I did the talent. Show. Like it was like a reoccurring thing. He called me the veteran. He was like, Oh, look at the talent show veteran. And I would currently, I actually go back to, to go watch like some, like see what yeah, he's yeah. doing. Like if anything, my f- first time after I graduated, he did an all around, uh, all around the world theme. And I thought it was like so cool. Cause obviously New Bedford is very culturally diverse. So you have the Cape Verdean, we have, Portuguese, we have Latino, um, Haitian, like we have everyone now, but back growing up, it was essentially either Spanish, Portuguese, Creole, or English. That was mainly the demographic. But then now, jump back, we'll jump forward 10 years later now, we're like a melting pot within a melting pot. 
I think that's really good too for especially the younger kids to come up and experience like all the different cultures. And I could say that coming from Seekonk where it's predominantly <laughs> is like Portuguese, white, mm-hmm. um, few, few mixed, few African-American families in Seekonk. Um, not crazy diverse, mm-hmm. but once I went to UMass Dartmouth, that's where I really started to experience more mm-hmm. culturally diverse places. And obviously I think through sports too, you experience different locations, different teams. Mm-hmm. And that's where you've been more socializing, at least for, for my aspect, I want to kind of pick your brain a little bit about the, the talent shows. And you kind of, I could tell you were starting to light up about that. And like, <laughs> you could tell that's where it seems like a lot of this creative aspect of you starts to form. Would you agree? That's kind of where this starts. Technically. Yeah. Well, before middle school, um, Oh, we're jumping back to 2005. <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, obviously, 2005, I had just started kindergarten. So, like, I already knew what was going on in the world. Like, you get a sense of, like, you get you already know words and process things and all that. And I remember um, Lady Gaga had just started her career. And that was the Kickstarter of my creative mindset. I knew I was different. I knew my mind processed differently even academically and just being social with people, I knew I was different. And obviously I was not, I don't want to say the fat kid, but stereotypically I was the big kid. I was taller than everyone else at the time because everyone was smaller and skinnier and thinner. Must be nice. Must be like (laughs) good to have that kind of issue. (laughs) But I didn't let that cloud me. I like her music at the time. Obviously this was very commercial. She was making a lot of money. Like this is what made her who she is right now like with Poker Face, Just Dance had just come out too. So like, that's what really solidified her career. And I just knew her music like spoke to me in a, weird, in a way that I could understand. And then same thing with Rihanna. Rihanna had was getting big. And even before Destiny's Child ended, I think also that was the, the time. Yeah, early 2000s, a lot of this is pop culture is really coming to force, especially social media and stuff is starting to come out. You're starting to see it more. Right. And then middle school, Gaga was still a big influence. I think Gaga has just been a big influence in my life. So I feel like we'll see, you'll see her affect, not affect me, but like influence my life a lot. She definitely changed the culture for sure when she came on. Like, especially a lot Mm -hmm. of her songs are like number one for a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. And then uh, same thing with Katy Perry too. Yep, yeah. I was it's funny that I, I'll out myself on this. I, I literally was scrolling on TikTok and this dude was riding his motorcycle listening to Teenage Dream. I can't lie to you. I was listening to that on my on my yeah. uh, my uh, treadmill. I was bumping Teenage Dream. I can't even lie. <laughs> hey, I was I was with what ha- the, we're going to talk about with what happened yesterday later on in the podcast. But um, part of me came on from Katy Perry and also Dark Horse. And I was like, oh, just having a fun time. I'm like, oh my God, I want to go back to like 2010. Uh, but now fast tracking to high school, I this is where I went to a vocational school. So obviously responsibility set in and basically solidify your career. So obviously academically I was set. I was good. I knew how to get good grades. I studied, I did my part. Um, but when it came to like choosing what I wanted to pursue, my mom instilled in me, she was like, choose a trade that is very, uh, what do you call it? Uh, being, being able to like take it into many different ways, like, like being that all around trade. So like you can do it now or you can do it later on. It'll still be a, a thing rather than learning the skills of a cosmetologist and yeah, you're making money, but you're not like 
excelling from that or taking it in a new innovative way. So obviously I did my exploratory and this is where I reached business, business tech. And obviously the, the, um, what do you call it? It's where you, the exploratory part of being a freshman was kind of difficult because it was very paper heavy. Business tech was like Microsoft documents and all that, but that's what you focus on freshman and sophomore year. And then junior year, senior year, that's where like the creative side comes in and you start having all these projects. And so basically under freshman year, I'm like, you know what? I see myself in business. I don't see myself owning a business, but like I see myself either being a secretary, an admin assistant, a CEO, or even just like somewhere on the executive ladder at some point. But I knew I needed the skills to back that up. So I was like, you know what, let me do business tech and see where it goes. So freshman year was very tough just because like you need to solidify your place (laughs) with grades. And then sophomore year, same thing. It was fine. Like it it was just like an easy thing to me because like I said, academics flow easily to me. But then junior year sets in, we there's two teachers, actually. So, like, one does freshman, sophomore, one does senior, uh, junior, senior. And that teacher changed my life. <laughs> but let me just say this. Walking in, uh, she was very, she was known as, like, the mean teacher, the hard teacher. So, like, please, because she's very, if it's not, not saying it's, if it's not her way, it's just, she's, she pushes you to a limit that you don't see yourself like push yourself for. And I remember the first day I stepped into her side of the classroom and I had a stank face. I was, I was like, Oh my God, I don't want to be here. And she immediately called, she stopped everyone. She was like, Mark, what, like, what, what's your deal? Why are you looking at me like that? I was like, cause you're the mean teacher. I don't want a mean teacher. I'm not saying I want to flow easily, but like Mrs. Carrero was easy to talk to. Like she was very nurturing and she's like, I can be nurturing too, but me pushing you guys doesn't make me mean. And I'm like, well, from all the other seniors and everyone else that's been graduating here from this class, like always says that you're mean. And she's like, I'm going to prove it to you. And I'm going to prove it to you right now. And I'm like, okay, let me show me what you got. Basically. Like I challenged her on that. And now she's my second mom. (laughs) Like, so freshman, the program offers uh, an opportunity to do, to be a part of BPA. So it's business professionals of America. And basically, you have from September to the beginning of March to train yourselves in these events. You choose them. There's there's judged and computerized. Computerized is easy because it's just following a template and then just filling in the information and data entry. Judged is more like interviews. So, like, I was more of the interview person. Um, so, there's uh, basic interview skills and advanced. Advanced is more for, like, you bring a portfolio, you, show, you showcase whatever projects you did that school year, and just basically hone it into like a resume. Whereas the basic interview is just, you just show up as yourself and you just um, basically memorize your resume and just have a one-on-one conversation. Um, So sophomore year, I tried it out, didn't make it. I I think I was like top four and only top three goes to nationals. I didn't let it beat me up because I'm like, you know what? I got two more years to try it out or at least give it another shot. Um, So, Junior year kicks in. I I was like, oh, I kind of want to retry interview skills and see where it goes. So I tried it, got first place. Actually. Yeah, first first place. And I was like, perfect. Uh, got to nationals for free because that's how the 
school ran. If you got first place, it was free. Second and third, you only paid half just to alleviate the financial burden. Yeah. And um, so, so uh, senior year kicks in and I was like, you know what? I want to do advanced interview skills because I got it down. Nationals, I didn't make it because on a national level, you're competing. Um, state level, I accomplished it. I got first place in the state. No one can take that away from me. But nationals, that's where the really tough part comes in because you're competing against Texas, you're competing at Florida, um, Idaho. Like there's and there's really good high school kids. Like if anything, that program was basically their curriculum. So like people like dedicate their lives in that program. Whereas like us, it was just like an extra thing that we could do. Um, but I'm very proud I got first place. <laughs> uh, and actually senior year was actually more emotional because advanced interview skills, I was like, you know what? I really want to make it special and I want to make it first place all the way through. And I was always hitting a wall and obviously like I studied and I practiced my resume and I practiced because it was like over 30 questions you had to memorize just in case they throw a curveball. And I've analyzed everything. I, had the skills behind it, but I kept hitting a wall. And luckily, Miss Ripley, she was like, she sat down to me. We had a one-on-one conversation. If anything, that's where she proved me wrong junior year, where she was like, I'm going to prove it to you that I'm not mean. She like really put me in a place where I didn't think I could push myself towards. Like She was like, I believe in you. If anything, you're not going to do any of your work today. You're going to work on this. I don't care if you look bored i don't care if you eyes bleed you're gonna study your resume you're gonna do this and if anything i want you to practice with other people in the room or if anything i want you to go to a classroom because if essentially all the staff know each other so like she's like if anything i want you to go to a classroom and i want someone from that classroom to interview you and i'm like okay that's fine and from there we did that until bpa comes up and we did states States passed flying colors. If anything, I got more emotional because I'm like, it's your senior year. It's the last time you're going to do it. And I cried so much, if anything, like everyone, like, mind you, it's a huge room. We're in the Sheraton Hotel (laughs) in Framingham. So like, it's a huge ballroom and there's multiple tables from multiple different high schools in the state. And if anything, like people like felt my emotion, like I, I wasn't acting like I was really emotional. And if anything, right, as soon as I got off the stage, I just went straight to Miss Ripley and I just like, Hugged, gave her the biggest hug because she pushed me so hard that not that the first place mattered to me. It was just more of like the effort that went behind it. Like she really like took time from everyone else to like make sure I was set for not only the win, but more set for like life. And she even says that in the beginning when you step into her classroom, like she's like, I will prepare you for the academic side of to get your degree and graduate. But I'm preparing you for life. Like, I get it. You don't have to take business for the rest of your life. You can just take these skills and, like, do whatever you want with them. But essentially, you need to know what it's going to be like when you do work or when you do adulting. Essentially, that's all she, that's how she put it through. And so if that night was very emotional, if anything. Like, I obviously, I like, called up my mom. I was like, oh, my God, I got first place again. But, like, it was like it mattered more just because, like, I was hitting a wall. And I thought I wasn't – not that I didn't, was, felt good, I wasn't good enough, but I just felt like I wasn't creative. Like, I like there was just a, a blockage somewhere. And I felt like I did a, had a breakthrough, essentially. And so 
we went to uh, nationals, which was, I think, in Texas, I believe. And honestly, it was my senior year. I didn't even care if I won at that point. If we're talking about junior year, me, I put in a lot more effort. But like senior year, I'm like, you know what? I'm in freaking Texas. <laughs> like, you don't get this kind of opportunity to fly, especially in high school. Definitely and then, not, yeah. So like, I was like, we're in Texas. We're here for a week and a half. Like, obviously, there's like the BPA days where it's like, the opening ceremony where everyone from all the states, like it's like a whole, like there's like a flag ceremony where we showcase our state flags and met, getting participant medals and all that. But also like there's like other fun stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I want to, you know, enjoy my time as a senior. Cause like you only get this one once in a lifetime. And also speaking of once in a lifetime, she prom fell on my birthday <laughs> and Obviously, I was turning 18. So yeah. uh I knew so September I knew prom fell on my birthday and I and I thought prom was very overrated. And I was telling people, I'm not gonna go to prom. I'm not gonna go to prom. Like, why am I gonna spend my birthday with people I'm not even gonna see anymore? Like, I feel like that's just a waste of being around people. And Miss Ripley, she's like, No, you're going. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not. She's like, I will pay for your ticket, you're going. And I'm like, why am I gonna go on my birthday to see these people one last time? And especially with not, not that I care that I had, a, I didn't have a date. It was just more like, I, it's my birthday. I want, I should be able to do what I want. And she's like, no, you only go to prom once. I'm like, okay, I'll go. She paid, I paid for it. She wanted to pay for it. And I'm like, no, I have the money. And so we go fast forward. I go to prom. I show up for an hour and a half and I leave. <laughs> <laughs> Like, obviously, I dressed up for the occasion. It was Enchanted Evening, and I went by myself. I wore my birthday sash to, to remind people. Not that I wanted a happy birthday, but I'm like, I'm 18. I'm driving myself to prom. I bought my tux myself. Like, I just felt very liberated and very independent. Like, obviously, my mom wanted to chip in. She's like, I want you to take senior, like, pictures. Or, like, I'll like I'll give you money. And I'm like, no. It's my prom-ish. Also my birthday. But, like, I want... I want to just have spend it the way the way I want it, and so I messaged my coworkers that night. I'm like, let's go to the gay club, and we're gonna have fun. And I not that I want I obviously I can't drink, but I wanted to just like party it up, but in a sense with people I want to be around with. Yeah. And so I messaged my friends and my coworkers. I was like, let's just go to Providence. I'm like, let's just have fun. So cut to I we go to a meeting location. I go to the bathroom, change out of my tux to just a regular club outfit, I guess. And and uh, we carpool, go straight to Providence, party it up all night and tell me not. We kind of shut the club down till like 2 a.m. And I remember my mom calling me. She's like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm on my way home. <laughs> we got sidetracked. <laughs> prom was really fun. After prom was really fun. Like... I had a blast. And she's like, oh my God, you went to after prom. I'm like, mm. <laughs> now I told, now I told her the truth. But yeah, like, yeah, at the time I'm like, I'm 18 years old. I don't want to like, <laughs> I like, I didn't want her to have that mindset that, oh, Mark wants to just club. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> no, I do, yeah. I, like I want a club. Don't get me wrong. But now graduation hits. That's where I had that um, realization of like, oh shit, like we're adults. Like, we're literally going to, well, whoever wants to go to college, go to college. If Yeah, let's dive into that part, like kind of like that post high school, like now what, like a lot of people get, and I've had a lot of people come on and say they were kind of like forced into this college experience. Like what was like kind of your, your path? So we could dive yeah. this into like 
the artist and your brand and how this came to be. Of course. This will be like the, yeah, we're definitely hitting the, like the second half of the podcast. This is like perfect time. Oh, okay. So, like, yeah. <laughs> I did not purposely plan this. No. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> uh, so basically graduation hits and we're like, oh my God, I had that realization. I'm like, I drove myself obviously, but um, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm graduating. And obviously I, I especially bawled my eyes out more because I wasn't going to have my second mom with me at all times now. Not that I wanted her, like I relied on her, but like it was just more of like the nurturing factor. Obviously, obviously she pushes everyone, but like she knew the potential even before I saw the potential myself. And so obviously I ball, like balled my eyes out as normal. You're not going to see these people ever again. I didn't care about the people. I was like, I cared more about myself. <laughs> uh, and then basically the fall comes around and it's not that I was, f- okay. It's kind of forced, kind of not. Kind of forced in the sense that my mom was like, no one in our family has been to college. It's been my dream that I wanted someone, either I graduate, like my mom graduate college or go to back to school or her. she wanted to see her children graduate college. So I kind of did, I'm doing it for her on that end. But also halfway through, I'm like, you know what? I'll just get my two-year degree and I'll be set. If I want to go back, or at least if I find a position where it's required to go back and get another two years, that's fine. I can deal with another eight classes. It's not a big deal. But so I go fall of 2019. I go and I took a business administration, me not knowing what it entailed. Uh, Regret it. And I demoted, not demoted myself. I switched to office administration, which was basically what my shop was, but on like a real, more, more of a real level. So I transferred, sent the paper, transferred my major the next semester, go to office administration, followed it through for a year and a half. And then next thing you know, I'm like, I feel like I should have graduated already. I feel like I've accomplished so many classes, but credit wise, I didn't, it, I think there was a, couple courses that I need still need to take like some electives or stuff. And I'm like, I feel like I should be way ahead of this. Cause like I took it in high school, the shop transferred into college. Cause there was some stuff in college. I didn't have to, cause I did it for four years in shop. So that kind of helped me out. But I'm like, I still feel like, like I feel held back a little bit. So I look, talk to my counselor and I'm like, can I, how can I graduate early? Cause I feel like I'm, Academically, I feel like I'm way more ahead than what my degree entails. And she's like, well, you can switch to general studies. You'll and you'll only have like three classes left. But the only thing is you won't be tied to business, the business. Like when you graduate, you won't be sitting with business kids. You'll be sitting with just like the kids who just transferred out, just transfer out and just get the degree fast. I'm like, honestly, I don't really care if anything. I don't plan on showing up to graduation because <laughs> I just wanted the paper. Yeah. <laughs> um. But now seeing everyone else graduate, I kind of I'm like, you know what? I think I owe my mom that experience that she gets to see me. She already saw me walk across the stage for high school, but I feel like I owe her that respect of watching me for college because she wanted me to go to college. Um, but so I transferred into general studies, and now I think I, right currently I think I only have four classes left. But I took a year off, so during COVID, I took a year off. A, because my fin- my financial aid got messed up. I think I didn't submit it in time, so I kinda had, either I had to pay more or, like, it just didn't get processed enough. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to... S- this was fall of 20... 
2020. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to take the year off. I have straight A's. Like, and so this is where the artisan comes in. Uh, obviously, we're in lockdown. Uh, well, no, this is before lockdown. I think um, I invested in a cricket because I saw it all over TikTok. Everyone was buying cricket machines and making cool stuff out of it. And I'm like, you know what? I'll invest in it. Just make some stuff for myself. Some I can make some decor for my mom. Blah, blah, nothing crazy. Then people, through word of mouth, people were like, oh, you make signs? Like, can you make me a sign? Can you make me a sign? Blah, blah, blah. Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you make a shirt? Blah, blah. I'm like, okay. I'll, I'll be the artisan for that. Don't get me wrong. And so eventually I created that. Then lockdown hits. And that's where I'm like, I don't feel like myself. Not because of lockdown, but I don't, I feel like I'm not fulfilling something or I don't feel fulfilled. So I didn't really do much after that. Spent through lockdown just trying to find myself, I guess. Or at least try to fully realize life <laughs> being locked in a four bait, four wall room and see the world through your phone and just watch Netflix shows, I guess, and, and live life that way temporarily. And then next thing you know, uh, I didn't realize that you can make a business out of this. And I was like, you know what? I went to school for business. I'll, I'll go back to making signs and just start doing these vendor events and just make money off of them. So I started doing it, invested in like the tents, the weights and the tables, the like the way to set, like the displays and all that stuff. And I would do it. It was, a, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work carrying a lot of stuff back and forth. But then fall of 2020 or 2021, what are the, I'm mixing up. I'm probably mixing up the days, but I did a fall collection of shirts. So I did a flannel. I did a bleached tie dye shirt. And I also did my black and white signature logo shirts at the time. And I did, um, I think a maroon shirt just for fall. Uh, the flannel had like uh, Camp Crystal Lake on it. Like I did like a cool design. Uh, the bleach tie dye was like a scream shirt. So I had like, what's your favorite scare movie with the 80s cell phone with um, the silhouette of scream on the back. And then I did my logo shirts for merch. And as I was creating these shirts with the cricket, I'm like, Oh my God, I, f- I think this is sparking something. I think I can make, I can make, an entity out of this, not just directed towards making shirts, but like, I can, I think I can make something out of this. And so I, winter comes around, I did the same thing, made a winter collection. And later on, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm gonna not take a break, but I'm going to invest in more into this. I have the year off. Why not? So I invested into the, so I invested more effort and more materials and, better quality shirts. Cause that's what people were saying. They're like, Oh, it feels a little bit more on the rougher side. I'm like, well, it is a cheaper shirt and it's a cricket shirt. So it's not really going to last long, but that's the, those kinds of critiques kind of f- f- like fueled me a little bit. I'm like, you know what? I want to make good shirts. Like I want to make, if anything, I want to make a brand. So that's where the artisan comes in. Um, obviously it's tied to our roots from before the rebranding, but now we're going into the, what the brand is actually about. Uh, so I want to create a brand that creates clothes that make an impact. Um, 
I definitely wanted to go with the lifestyle aesthetic. So like very casual, just you having fun, being candid, but also the values behind the brand is to be, to stay kind and make waves and create a ripple effect. Cause the artisan creates like hand makes things, but also I want to create that kind of for it to live on and procreate. If that makes sense. So that's also the artisan connection for that. And also, um, I knew I wanted an iconic logo where it's very minimal and very easy to understand. And I was like, let me, t- let me use a whale tail logo and I'll create an artisan, like the artisan name under it or something. So I designed the signature whale tail that you see on my hat. <laughs> uh, and now on my website and all over the place. Uh, and so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make a brand. I'm going to call it the artisan. And that's the whale tail will be a reminder of what people are shopping for. And I say that because we donate 10% of our profits back to save the oceans. And midway of me rebranding, I realized I'm like, New Bedford is known for whaling and textiles. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm creating a brand that's not only taking its history, but also making something positive and modern about it. Um, so I have Lily as my brand ambassador. So she is basically not only an influence inside the brand, but also an influence to other people. So if she wears the shirts out and people are like, oh my God, that's a cool shirt. Automatically she has to promote, not have to, but like she likes the brand enough that she promotes it on its own organically. Um, But also she's also my feedback people too. Uh, So if people order from us, or maybe if someone has a critique on the spot where it's like, Oh, that'd be cute if you have a pocket or that'd be cute if you like distress a little bit, or like maybe if you do a tie dye shirt, like she would give me that feedback back and we'll create not a collection just based off the critique, but like we'll take it into consideration and maybe even test out the waters and see how it does. So right now we are looking into not only donating back to the oceans, but other organizations. So recently we relaunched our pride shirts. So I make can, I hand make all the shirts individually and we use ethically sourced, um, cotton, hundred percent cotton for all of our shirts, or at least most of our products, at least because the hoodies are not hundred percent cotton. And also our packaging is sustainable and compostable. So, um, I wanted to not only like like I was preaching to everyone, I'm like, save the ocean, save the planet, blah, blah, blah. But at the time I had these custom packaging that was really bad to the environment. And I'm like, I should probably like do what I preach and like rebrand that way. So like I rebrand, so I invested in compostable packaging and then even like with what the customers get, I want to keep it very minimal. So like you'll get a business card, you get a thank you note, and then you get stickers to put on either on your water bottle or like the back of your Jeep or something and just yeah. keep it easy stickers, guys. <laughs> and just keep it simple and easy for people, but also like gets our point across at the same time. Yeah. I like the fact that you created something that was supporting something you believed in too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a struggle for a lot of people when they're trying to create something is how to have impact with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Obviously some people will go the monetary route and chase the money. And I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not going to judge that because I work in accounting finance. So I, exactly. I mean, we all have like, I've said this to people, I'm like, kindness doesn't pay the bills. I get it. Facts, though. I get it. But also like, I'm not money driven when it comes to this stuff. Like, obviously I have to make the money back to not only pay for the stock that I get, but also to donate, pay the fees through the, 
online shop because we are online only. And just, I got to make the profits essentially on top of donating and all this stuff and whatever factors come into play. But I've always said this, I'm like, kind of doesn't pay the bill. So that's why I want to start a business when it comes to that end. But also essentially going through middle school and high school, you know, there's some mean kids. So like, Essentially, I wanted to take that into a positive thing and, and be that an influence in the brand. So that's why I always say people tell, tell people to stay kind of make waves. And, and I call all my customers wave makers because you're not only buying from us, but you're giving back. Like we're essentially like the bridge or like the connection between um, the customer to the world. We're just making products that it's like that mindset of like, what do I get in return? You're getting a cool shirt made by locally by an artisan or the artisan actually. And it's, it's been like, I put a lot of time and effort into it. If that makes sense. Like, although like the shirt that I gave you, it's just the plain wheel tail and all that, that was like what we started. But like, I started incorporating the different prints and different shirts and tie dyes and bleach dye. Like I purposely put in a lot of effort into this kind of planning and even just branding it overall. Like I, want to create i want to saturate south coast but also my goal is to expand and be known worldwide but obviously i gotta start small yeah no and i'm like the same way with my approach in the podcast and the platform that i'm creating i center my conversations around Mm -hmm. like mental health and stuff like that and like even the conversation like we don't have to talk directly about mental health like Mm -hmm. and like that's like something that I've kind of like realized is like, I don't have to force the conversation of mental health because it's Mm -hmm. part of the conversation. I mean, when I first was thinking about making a podcast, it was about creating authentic, real conversations again. Mm -hmm. Basically what we, we talked for what, almost like two hours before we even started recording. Like, and like, that is like the point of like why I do this. And you guys only hear an hour of like the podcast. You guys don't hear the stuff before, Mm -hmm. after like, that's the stuff that I value is connecting with the people. I mean, connection, that's right. the name. So like, it's about my, my thing was like, when I was thinking about making the podcast and how I could like help people and put people on different stuff was like, I want people to be seen and heard. Mm-hmm. I want to give a platform where people are allowed to come and just be themselves and talk about what they want to talk about. And like, mm-hmm. I don't care about who really listens. I do it for me. And if someone gains something from that dope Mm -hmm. and like I mentioned it multiple times, my second episode with my grandfather was like kind of like a real turning point for me is once he passed looking back at that conversation was like, Oh shit. Like this actually holds a lot more weight than I thought it did Mm -hmm. because now I have a digitalized recording of a conversation that's more than just like the home videos that we have as kids growing up. Like this Mm -hmm. is like a conversation about his life. So I'm like, this can go far beyond what I'm doing here. And like Mm -hmm. hitting a hundred episodes a couple weeks ago was kind of like a huge, like reminder to that was like, I'm kind of like making waves. And like, that's why I was like excited to do this podcast because like, I know that like making kindness cool at the same time, like, I, from a recent podcast that I was on, not to like name drop, but like mystify me coming soon. (laughs) Uh, One of the, it's two women who do it. And Carolyn was saying, she was like, I like how you make the word kindness cool. 
within a brand that's local because she's like it's very unique you don't see that around if anything it's very rare seeing people like obviously big brands can give back at any time they make a lot of money every year so like it's easy for them to donate but they but she's like for you to even just be a small business and giving back that way when you could really use the profits and build an empire or not even an empire like a legacy worldwide you're already doing the like you're already fulfilling yourself that way and and i and i try to say this all the time i'm like you can make money off of anything but you can't make memories and you can't make the fulfilling aspect through money money doesn't fulfill that like you can't it's almost like the idea of you can't buy love you really can't like it's all emotion and it's all passion and being from growing up like having that creative those creative teachers and faculty and just having like that nurturing high school teacher and being and being artistic that way like i knew i was on i was different than everyone else because i visualized everything artistically like i knew everything needed to have a meaning or needed to have um some sort of point or a focal or, or even like a hidden message behind everything that we do and it, so like with the brand just having the whale tail logo that's just a symbol of you being a wave maker. So like I want to create an icon that was easy for people to understand and easy to interpret because when I think of whales, I feel like they create the biggest waves. Like, like if we're talking about like technicality wise, like out of all the animals in the kingdom, whales make the biggest waves. So essentially I'm like a whale tail and having the history, the history, the historical part of New Bedford, also made sense that way too, being from New Bedford. Uh, and not only that, like growing up, a lot of people were always saying, oh, I want to leave New Bedford. New Bedford's ugly. There's nothing here in New Bedford. There's nothing like going for New Bedford. Like it's just small and too condensed and all this, basically all this negative stuff. And I also wanted that to be an influence and just take it to a direction where it was unique, but also special. Um, to not only me, but like, hopefully special to the locals. Like I don't envision myself owning an actual store. If anything, I would rather be in multiple stores. Like I'm already in one in Westport, but like I envision myself to be in a store in the Cape, uh, Martha's Vineyard and Boston maybe, or for going West, maybe even Rhode Island, Connecticut. Like I want to be in the South coast or at least South Eastern part of the world. Well, United States and just saturate myself a little bit, little by little. Um, but essentially my brand, what I want to get it across was being kind or at least being an inspiration for other people. Yeah. I, and I, I want to like go, go with that too. Is like, I'm glad that you brought up the, the fact that people always like want to leave and like mm-hmm. they are sick of their hometown because I've said this so many times on the podcast there that, people would always like hate on Seekonk. It's like, hate on one of the town. I can't wait to leave. I hate this town. The people in, I'm like, and like, this kind of ties in a little bit perfectly with kind of what I want to talk about a little bit, like not going into obviously uh, the shooting that happened last past week and mental health has come up as a part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. And people always talk about, we need to do something. We need to like make change happen, mm-hmm. but then no one does anything and change doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So my mindset has always been, and this ties perfectly, it was like, 
when I was creating a podcast, how do I create purpose? How do I create change? Kind of like what you're talking about. And mental health was something that was always, that was super, I held close to me, family, friends, myself. Mm-hmm. And it's something that everyone can talk about. And I was like, what can I do to add value to this space? Mm-hmm. And I created a platform where we could talk about it openly. And mm-hmm. ha- I've had people cry on the platform. I've had people talk about traumas that they've experienced, deaths, all mm-hmm. these different variations of, of mental health. And that's how you make change. Mm-hmm. You start small, you start locally. Mm-hmm. And I want to eventually be able to give back to the community in the sense mm-hmm. that like I can offer something and, and that, and I think that's what you're, you're talking about in like giving back to where you're from and people are so quick to hate where they're from. And I just, I'm so against that because it's like, you could be brought up in such worse places. Like mm-hmm. it's, I hate bringing up the word privilege sometimes, but it is a privilege to be born in a lot of the places that we're born mm-hmm. and especially the United States in a lot of locations. And even if you have a loving family, it's a privilege. So it's like, to hate on your hometown, it's it drives me crazy, and especially New England, man. Like, what the fuck, yo? Like, <laughs> Four Seasons, man. You can't get enough. You got the mountains up north. They got the beaches. Like, mm-hmm. it drives me crazy. Like, that's like a I prefer thing. summer, summer and springtime and fall and cancel out winter. But I'm not. I'm no Mother Nature. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, like just like going off of what you said, like adding value. Like that's I didn't want to say implement, but like that's something I wanted. To be a part of like not only am I providing monetary value to it because I try to price our stuff competitively like obviously I'm not going to charge what Nike charges but also at the same time I'm not going to downplay myself either because I am putting in the effort I am putting creating the actual shirt and screen printing them and all that but it's also more of I'm creating the designs behind it and it has a meaning like right now I'm designing a a collection that's going to be soon released that possibly on my birthday, maybe, maybe not to my gift to the world. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going to introduce a new animal to the brain, which is turtles. So I'm going to do a save the turtles collection. Cause like I said, I don't want to just donate in to save the oceans. I want to donate to other like organizations. So like one of the affiliate, uh, not affiliates, one of the organizations that I found was the sea turtle hospital in North Carolina, it ties into Massachusetts because most of our turtles that migrate to the south end up stopping halfway and they're either like cold, is it cold stunned? I think it's cold stunned or even just like. Probably because the change in temperature of the water, I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. So they end up washing up on shore in North in the Carolinas and then they just basically they're a rescue hospital and all the money that they take in from donations are either used towards the food or the facility to maintain it and just invest in better programming to basically save the turtles lives. And then they just set them back to the ocean. They don't, they don't, they don't keep the animals in house. They just rescue them, like basically hospitalize them and then send them back. And so like, I wanted to take that initiative and give my money that way to that. And then essentially later on, we're going to introduce more animals. And if anything, like I'm planning like an Arctic um, collection and, incorporating like orcas polar bears like i have so much planned so far like i'm not in a rush to launch these designs because i'm not on a level where there's a lot of demand but also at the same time i feel like i want to launch these when i feel like it's ready um more because i have although i have the the creative control and even just the control overall with the brand of when i want to release stuff and all that i I want to make sure what I put out into the world has some sort of meaning. 
Like, I just don't want to put out designs just to put out designs and make money off of them. Like, essentially, I do want to create designs that are basically you can wear all year round that you don't have to wait for a collection or you don't have to wait for a season. Because normally, traditionally, I like to plan for seasons. So obviously for fall, winter, I want to do like a sweatpant kind of thing, like a like a cozy set and do all of that. But And then for the summer, I, I wanted to look into getting like athleisure just for like the everyday kind of person. Not that my brand isn't everyday, but just to expand into a different demographic. I think it's important to have these ideas though to stay creative. Right. Like I think it's important to look at what you can do in the future and how you can add to your brand and how you can continue creating. And that's something mm-hmm. that like I've kind of, I mean, I just made these new shirts and like mm-hmm. I've made hats before I made sweatshirts. I've looked at making winter hats possibly like you need to have, and I like to say you need to have an outlet to be creative mm-hmm. and like to continue creating. I always say like, try to get in touch with your, mm-hmm. like your inner child, mm-hmm. because like mm-hmm. that's where you really can dive into these different aspects. And like, when I look back at old film of myself, I was always like, record me, put me on camera. And like through middle school, through just the bullying, the acne, the pu- the puberty, like mm-hmm. I kind of lost that, that voice. Mm-hmm. And this podcast with the help of social media and TikTok, I've kind mm-hmm. of gained that back. Right. And I've kind of really stepped into this person where I can have fun and I can be myself. And I don't, I realistically don't care what people have to say about me. I mm-hmm. mean, I might take into consideration, mm-hmm. but ultimately like my opinion of myself is going to hold over that. And I think that's most important when you're creating content because you're going to get judged regardless. And I think we talked about this earlier, Yeah, uh, especially your hometown like at least the locals, a lot of time they don't really support you like that, especially close <laughs> friends and family. Speaking of that, yesterday's <laughs> experience. Um, so I was being sponsored. Well, there's this program on the South Coast that is, helps entrepreneurs. I don't know if I should say the name or not because I don't know if they're ever going to look at this. But I basically put an application for us and was like, oh, maybe they can elevate us to another level worth like marketing and all that, like just to be saturated locally and maybe even put us in more local shops. So I was like, let me be spontaneous. And it felt like sh- like a Shark Tank kind of moment. But like, I, f- I just knew that I left because there was 31 applicants total. They outlined it. There was 31 applicants. Only ru- it's a 12-week program. It's only Tuesdays and Thursdays. Obviously, you have to show up for that. But it, it it's almost like you have... They do mentor matching. So you so you have a mentor at all times during the entire program. And you just touch base with them. And then you, you learn. It's like learning about entrepreneurship overall. So I was like, you know what? Maybe we can benefit from this. Why not? It doesn't hurt to put an application and be interviewed. So basically, there was 31 applicants. And they outlined, we're only roughly accepting half of the people. So we're, the interview is a must-do. So we have to interview you see, to see where you are. So show up. Do last out the interview but i left there very now that i've mostly processed the experience i left there very frustrated because the questions were a little bit not what i expected i expected to be what what are your profits what are your margins like how much do you sell these for who's your demographic why do you do what you do um why do you decide to take the money and donate them rather than taking it for your own free will uh why is your name that and not this? And it was it was just a lot of questions that were frustrating, like annoying at the time. But now that I fully processed, I felt very frustrated. And my mental health today was a little bit off 
from the experience. But then later on, I'm like, you know what? I'm just not going to let it affect me because some of the people who do participate in the program do succeed. They're known locally. But then there's some that they have these ideas and they, they, don't, they don't take it to their fullest potential it, that, I could, that I see them. But obviously one of the questions was, well, do you have a plan B if this is a workout? And I'm like, uh, no, I'm going to make it work. And I'm going to make it work with or without you with or without this program. I'm going to succeed no matter what. And that's just my mind. And I told them, I'm like, that's just my mindset because every collaboration that I do with another small business, I always ask them a piece of advice of what they could, if they could help another business that's being created right now, what are some, what is something that you could help either enlighten them or prevent them from a future experience that you wish you would not want to experience? So one of the people that I've talked to was you need to make it work at all times, even when you're at your lowest or when you don't think you can go farther than what you could, you have to make it work at all times. It's just, if this is what you want to do and if this is what you're passionate about, you have to make it work. So I was in that mindset yesterday and I would, I even told them like, if this program wants me and wants my brand, great. I'll be a part of it. I'll participate and do what I have to do. And if you want guys want to monetize me and give me money to invest in it, great. If not, if I leave here and you guys don't accept me, I'm still going to be successful no matter what. And if anything, you are going to miss out on history. Because I know this brand will be on a greater scale. Than, like, if anything, I felt very underestimated. So I was like, you know what? My brand's going to be the biggest brand ever here in the South Coast, whether you guys like it or not. And if anything... I hope it becomes so successful that you ask me to be a part of this program if I don't get accepted. I, not to be cocky like that, but I have to be selfish and really advocate for my you brand. Have to, you have to believe in it before anyone else does. So exactly. if you don't have that attitude and you answer, the, I mean, it is a kind of a weird question to ask someone in an interview style like that. But like, if you, you have to, to attack in the sense where like, it, there is no plan B. Right. So like, I think you went into that with, with a good mindset. And I think leaving that you're going to probably attack what you do a lot harder too is kind of like a little bit of motivation mm-hmm. factor. Um, we are getting towards the the back end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So before I do have one more question for okay. you, <laughs> which is um, tied to passions. Mm-hmm. So is there anything that you wanted to say that obviously don't touch that question? We'll, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> so I'm always dangerous when, when setting this up, but is there anything that you need, you wanted to mention before we dive into this or we could drop like, we'll say, actually we'll save that for the, the back end. Is, Anything prior to this question, or you good to go into this question? Uh, it's up to you. I was going to be cheesy and off of what you were going to say go about, ahead, like, go ahead. of like not paying attention to people and all that. So obviously, after I left that, I felt very underestimated and I'm and I was just in a bad mindset. But then later that night, a song came on and I was like, I was like, oh my god! Not that I had like a woke moment, but I'm like, why am I spending all this energy in a bad? Not in a bad state, but like, why am I feeding energy into feeling underestimated and then just feeding that inner saboteur when I should be leaving, when I should be feeling grateful that I cultivated this brand on my own and grew the way I grew because of not only just my personality, but with my team and just my personality. Like my, I'm very charismatic, not to my own horn, but I got to toot it, (laughs) but it's just, I created something on my own and I didn't need anyone's help. So like I, 
was like, why am I feeding into that and just like feeling underestimated? So a song that came on from RuPaul, one of the lyrics was, um, unless they paying your bills, pay them bitches no mind. So I was like, okay. (laughs) I was like, it's not the traditional cheesy like thing to say, but honestly it is the truth. Like until you make, until you give a donation to me, or at least if you pay for one of my products, I care about what you say. But unless you don't give me money, you, I could care less. That's facts. I mean, I feel that about my podcast. If you've never been a guest on, I really don't care about your opinion about my podcast. Like, I, I really do. I, like, maybe I, I lied. I don't care about anything you guys have decided, to be honest. Um, Mark, this has been awesome. I do have one more question for you, um, which is, what would your advice be to someone who wants to pursue their passion? Oh, um, I will admit, uh, patience. I'm going to separate into three. Just so, like, they each tie into each other, but, like, you need to be patient. Um, Not everything's going to happen at once. So you kind of need to be, you need to not set yourself too high or, like, expect something to be on a higher level. Uh, I think also you need to be genuine and authentic. Uh, if, If it's not authentically you, it'll be reciprocated as that. Like you won't get the fulfillment value. And I think as a final thing, I think you just need to be passionate. And as long as you have the drive, just try not to give up. Because uh, that's where the inner saboteur kicks in and you sabotage yourself and you get in your own way and you won't be able to go forward. So I think if you're patient and authentic and you have the drive, I think you'll accomplish what you ever, whether it's owning a business, whether it's creating content, being an influencer, or even just like career, like actual career wise. Like if you want to like pursue a different career, as long as you have those three, I think you'll be set for life. Obviously things don't come easy to you, to people, but I think that's like the foundation of life is to be patient and authentic. And just as long as you have passion and drive. Perfect. I think it's a perfect way to wrap this podcast up and I'm thankful that you didn't say just do it. <laughs> no offense to everyone that has said that before, but it's oversaturated uh, and like uh, I'm I'm over it. So thank you for that. This has been a fantastic podcast. Of Appreciate course. you for coming on, being vulnerable and sharing a little bit about your life story. Yeah. No, thank you for having me. If anything, I've been not waiting to have this happen, but like Obviously, we knew each other before this. Yeah. So I'm like I'm waiting for like the opportunity. Not I was saying- say, I said because I like I book three weeks out, so it's like a continued setup. And if I just keep like, I'm gonna get you on, and like I got a week. It's like it's like a month wait usually. Right. So like if I tell people right ahead, and they're like, when am I coming on? And I've had people that have been in my back burner and like my DMs that like. It's not uh, that I, d- I didn't want to come off as like I was expecting to be asked. But no, I'm you like, were going to be asked. But, like, but I'm just like. He still hasn't asked me. You could have also asked too. Like I that know. usually gets people on faster when they ask me. I'm just saying. No, I know. I, if anything, I want I want to make sure it happened organically rather than just like, oh, okay, twelve o'clock. Mark is gonna come in. We gotta bang this out and then go. <laughs> and then, well, you're here. We did it, and we, I look forward to future collabs as well. Of course. So for you guys, if you guys like the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. Uh, check it out. Check it out. The Carol Connection at Simplecast.com. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms. So until next time, guys, peace. Peace.